0: Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am extremely excited to introduce my special guest today, Russell Flory. Russell, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. Okay. Russell Flory is one of the most highly respected consultants in corporate education today. He is the founder and CEO of Road Scholars International, a performance improvement firm specializing in coaching, automotive dealerships, in management, customer retention, and human resources. His clients include Hyundai, Toyota, BMW and Mini, Ford, General Motors, Porsche, Mitsubishi, Ferrari, Maserati, Freightliner, Daimler, Harley-Davidson, Correct Craft, the Kinetic Group, and more. He's one of the busiest guys I know, and like the song by Johnny Cash, he's been everywhere, man. So Russell, I've told the listeners a little about you. So please take a moment and share some more about you, your business, your interests, and your passion for automobiles.
1: Well, really, Mark, I have two passions. One, obviously, is automobiles, and the other is helping people improve their performance. And I've been lucky enough over the last 40 years to be able to combine those two interests into a job that I really love.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how that passion and career evolved through time?
1: I sure can. It was uh, kind of an interesting story. I have always uh, enjoyed the dealership experience from the customer's point of view and had purchased multiple vehicles from the same dealership. Uh, One day I was in there uh, just as a customer walking around a 911 talking with the salesman and actually explaining the car to the salesman. Uh, The sales manager overheard me explaining the vehicle to the salesman and said, you know what? you'd be really good at this. Why don't you quit your job and come to work for me? And it was one of those things that just flashed in my mind. And I said, you know what, that really would be a lot of fun. And uh, let's sit down and talk about it. And I uh, actually did make the decision to do that.
0: Oh, my gosh. Now, were you teaching at the time? Because I know that you were uh, in education for quite a while.
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, I was at, at a Uh, actually at that time i was a public school principal i had been a teacher and a football coach and a guidance counselor and really had a passion for vehicles and a passion for helping people and actually i was also teaching at the university of maryland so it was an interesting career switch for me to say the least
0: but once you got involved with that dealership how did things progress from there
1: Well, they very quickly saw that I had a lot more to offer than just being a salesperson, so they created a position for me as a performance development manager, and actually what I did then was work with all the departments in the dealership and their managers to help them improve their performance.
0: And from there, is that when the idea of Road Scholars started to emerge in your mind?
1: It did. I was uh, in one of those happenstance occurrences, I was at a professional meeting of the National uh, Society for Performance and Improvement and ran into the sales training manager at Porsche Cars North America, uh, he, I happened to notice that he had placed a Porsche crest on his name badge. And uh, so I stopped him and said, boy, I'd like to find out what you do, and bought him a cup of coffee. And then eventually he asked me to start writing the certification test for Porsche Cars North America, which had just recently been founded, uh, and from that to grow into doing corporate education and training.
0: So as you developed Rhodes Scholars, how did that whole process move forward for you to become what it has become today?
1: Well, it really started slowly. Porsche was my first and only client. I was able to make the transition because... The people at the school system were good enough to find a half-time job for me as a career counselor at a VOTech center that actually had an automotive dealership and, and a mechanical shop and body shop on premises. So I was writing, doing things for Porsche, and then able to do some things that allowed me to take vacation days to go and do the training.
0: Fantastic. You've always been a car guy, right? That's for sure. Okay. So it seems like you figured out a way to... Take that passion and the expertise of being a coach and a leader and move it forward to Road Scholars today. So, fantastic to that. I always like to start this journey with you with a success quote. Something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here at Cars yeah. So, take the wheel.
1: Well, it really, it's a quote from Confucius, but actually my dad used to say it to me all the time, and that was, find a job that you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life.
0: That's a great one that I've heard from many, many people, and and it is so true. Russell, how have you incorporated that into your business and your life and your passion for cars?
1: Well, as I mentioned earlier, Mark, it's a passion for cars and a passion for helping people improve their performance. So it was just a natural blend. I saw very quickly after I moved out of the sales role that there was a real future for me in helping people who were in that business get better at what we do. And if you've been in dealerships recently, you know there's a big opportunity to help them improve their performance.
0: You're so right. In fact, I follow Russell on Facebook. He shares a lot on Facebook, and I think it was just last week you were looking to purchase a vehicle and were commenting on a salesperson that had spent a half hour with you and hadn't even asked your name. And I think my response to you was you need to coach them up.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Will you share with us a story in your past that really instigated your passion for cars? Tell us that pivotal moment that made you an automotive enthusiast and how it's enhanced your life.
1: Well, uh, it really goes back to the experiences in my dad's uh, 1956 Porsche 356 Coupe. Uh, we had, uh, in 1954-55, started going to sports car races uh, at our local track in Marlboro, Maryland, and up at the Cumberland Airport and Virginia International Raceway, something that we enjoyed as a family. And then my dad came home in that 356, and I remember a day very clearly riding with him down to have the valves adjusted at a shop in downtown Washington. When the mechanic took the car out, I was allowed to go with him, and it was in an alley down in D.C. Needless to say, he didn't baby the car going down the alley, and with the sound reverberating off the walls, uh, what a beautiful soundtrack. I knew from that moment on I was captivated.
0: That's wonderful. There's always that moment as a child, and I've heard that over and over with my guests, that it usually goes back to a moment in time with their parents, a ride in the car. In this case, you were lucky enough to get into a car with a mechanic who really put his foot to the floor, and those sounds just sounds like they sunk into your heart.
1: Yeah, they really did, and that was reinforced with the four Cam Carreras that we saw race, and uh, actually... I had an old 45 RPM record that was just a Porsche RSK Type 718 engine noise uh, that I would put on um, in my room and actually in my dorm room in college just to enjoy the sound.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. You know, years ago I picked up a DVD that was called Open Pipe Symphony, and that's all all it is is a whole bunch of engine sounds. And I remember driving to work putting that in my, uh, my car and listening to that. And one time I pulled up to a stoplight and I had my windows down. I had some F1 engine sounds on very loud. And the lady next to me looked over with a look on her face and just wonder what's going through her head. How on earth did that little car sound like an F1 V12? So That's, that's, that's funny. Yeah. So, Russell, what I'd like you to do now is, is look at your journey and the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and get your hands a little dirty. I'd like you to share with our guests a huge challenge, maybe even a big failure, that's occurred with you over time and what you did to really push past that and overcome that situation.
1: Well, it was was really an unfortunate situation. My wife had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And as you know, I travel all over the country doing things. And uh, at the time she was diagnosed, I had a a 10-year-old son. And um, I thought, what is it that I can do in order to be able to stay home, have flexibility to take care of her? And uh, I realized that I had been advising so many other automotive businesses that I probably could do that myself. So I opened Road Scholars Automotive Group. Uh, with just taking money out of my savings, I had three wonderful collector Porsches at the time that were part of my personal collection, uh, 87 930 Slant Nose and 88 911 Club Sport and then 87 Turbo Look Cabriolet. And uh, I sold all three of them one at a time to uh, be able to stay home and to uh, Be there for her as she was going through her ordeal and at the same time uh, do something that would give me an emotional release where I could go over to the little warehouse that I had and go into a different environment and just be around cars and around people that were looking for cars.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that very Personal story. How did you push through that difficult time in your life? Are there other things you learned during that time that you might share with our guests that might help them if they're going through a similar situation?
1: Well, not that situation, not the, the cancer situation, but what I will tell you about is that it's hard to start a, a business like that with a small pocketbook. Just funding the business out of my own savings and retirement accounts it became very obvious to me that we needed uh, an investor to make that business grow. And uh, after my wife passed away, I took a look at my own passions and what I wanted to do and decided that it was probably more important to me personally to go out and help other people than it was to maintain the business. So I sold my part of the business to an investor who has been able to grow that business uh, geometrically uh, into a great restoration shop and source for classic Porsches. Uh, And I've been able to go down that other road and spend all of my time helping other people achieve their dreams.
0: Very inspirational. And uh, again, thank you for sharing that personal part of your life. To take that experience and convert it into a career where you help other people is absolutely wonderful. Russell, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. And share a story when you had one of those aha moments with your business, a time when you realized that the idea, the concept of road scholars and helping people, you knew you really were going to make it. Can you take us through those moments in time where you just went, aha, this is going to work?
1: Well, uh, shortly uh, after I began my work with Porsche Cars North America, the assistant manager of training uh, became the National Manager of Training at BMW and asked me to provide some help in the product launches there. And uh, I was so well-received and came to realize that in my market segment that there were a lot of people that had one element, but not all three. What I mean by that is I was professionally trained as an instructional designer and had many years of teaching experience and also an understanding of automobiles. Some of the people that were doing similar things, came straight out of retail with no professional training and teaching. And there were other people, and you've seen them at the auto shows too, spokesmodels who looked good, sounded good, can make a great presentation, but hadn't had any retail experience or any teaching experience. So I think the part that was that aha moment for me was, wow, I've got a unique blending of three different types of uh, skills and attributes and experiences that allow me to be successful in this.
0: Your story is a classic entrepreneurial success story where you combine your passion with your skill sets and create something completely new. so that's incredible, wonderful story. That's exactly what we're doing at carsjad.com. If you'd like a little automotive inspiration and some fun at the same time, you can go to the home page and click on the free filler up book. It's a 20 page book with over sixty beautiful photographic images of fuel filler fun. Just click on the button and download it today. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first car, Russell? And what kind of fun did you have with that car? Trips, modifications, adventures, and memories?
1: Well, I'll actually tell you about my first five because I think they're pretty significant uh, as to why my taste is so eclectic. I was fortunate enough that my dad had sports cars growing up. He followed the Porsche with a 59 Alfa Veloce Spider and the 62 Austin Healey 3000. And he was kind enough to let me take the Austin Healey back to college uh, when I was a sophomore. But I always had a Porsche in my heart. So my first car uh, was a hand-me-down and a wonderful one from my father, 62 Austin Healey 3000, one of the very rare cars made with triple carburetors. But I really wanted a Porsche. So my first real car of my own that hadn't belonged to a family member was a 63 Porsche Super Coupe that I bought from a pilot at Andrews Air Force Base, and it was the ninth Porsche that he had owned, and you can imagine with the company being that young that that was pretty significant. Loaded with cool options, had a camber compensator, it had career wheel spacers, it had driving lights and fog lights, it was just a magnificent vehicle. Um, after a period of time, I noticed just a pinhole of rust in the, showing up in the, uh, in the joint between the fender and the cowl and decided that uh, since I was using it every day, it was time to look for something else. I bought a 66 Alfa J Spider, followed by a 67 Corvette and then a 71 240Z. So I had cars from England, Germany, Italy, the U.S. and Japan. I had four cylinders, six cylinders, eight cylinders, front engine, rear engine. It was quite a a nice way to start my car hobby. And I did all of that on a teacher's salary.
0: That's incredible. You were traveling all over the world, basically, so to speak, in cars from all over the world. So thanks for sharing all those with us. Talking about cars, seller's remorse, is there a car that you've sold in the past that you really wish you had back? And if so,
1: why? Well, those three that I mentioned, you know, it's interesting when I look back on that, that having possession of those cars enabled me to be able to be there for my wife when she was going through her ordeal. Uh, So it's with really no remorse that I sold them, although I would like to have all three of them back. When I look at the values today of those vehicles, particularly the slant nose and the Club Sport, they probably are triple what I sold them for uh, back in 2003.
0: Well, I always say... With old cars, you really can't look back. You really have to just think of the memories and the fun you had with them and and keep moving forward. I did something very similar with a, a Porsche that I had. My son got into a very special college, and I looked at that car and said, there's the tuition. And, you know, yeah, I wish I had it back, but at the same time, I was able to provide something for my son that was very special. So is there a current project that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up?
1: Well, yes, I'm the lead instructor for the Porsche Certified Brand Ambassador Program. It's uh, Porsche AG's initiative to have a globally certified workforce. I teach a five day brand immersion class and then follow that up with some virtual coaching, uh, about an hour and a half with each of the candidates. And uh, based on their performance in the five day and their performance in the interview, can certify them as a brand ambassador for Porsche. I think it really means a lot to me to do that, one, because of my passion for the brand, and second, because I realized that we really do need to train the next generation of car enthusiasts. Uh, And you know, Mark, when the economy downturned, I think there was a lot of us that thought, boy, these new kids today like phones and iPads and things like that, and I don't see the passion for cars But I'm thrilled to meet uh, about 30 students every month or so for that class and see the passion in their eyes for the brand. It's really exciting.
0: I'm so happy to hear that because I've heard the same thing, that the generation behind us maybe isn't as interested in vehicles and I'm not so sure. Um, I'm I'm happy to hear that. When you're training these folks, what is the one element that really when you're done with your day and you've got these exhausting days where you're You have to get up and be excited and get fired up day after day after day. Is there one thing in this training process that at the end of the day you just go, wow, that was just so much fun?
1: It really is seeing the lights come on in their eyes, either about uh, historical facts about the brand, but more often than not, it's about their own performance by fine-tuning their skill set. I think my favorite part of that class is helping salespeople deliver better questions. Uh, If you've been in a dealership recently, you've probably heard the old school questions that people ask, and I'm so tired of hearing those. So I help people say uh, little subtle differences. Instead of how are you going to use this vehicle, the question becomes, how do you see a Porsche fitting into your family's lifestyle? So it's a small difference in the question. Or tell me about the first time you said to yourself, someday I'm going to own a Porsche. Or... Uh, tell me about that moment in time when a Porsche first came on your radar screen. You know, those types of questions get the uh, get the client talking more about their own passion, and is a is a much nicer entry, not much nicer entry into the discussion than. Uh,
0: how can, how can I put this in your garage today?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm not going to repeat those.
0: What you just said is really hitting the nail on the head, and it's about engaging. And you listen to marketing these days, and, and all the gurus out there, that's what they're talking about is creating relationships with people and finding out what is it that that person really needs, what does that person really want. And you're doing exactly that, so I'm so thrilled to hear that. As you visit car dealers these days, some of them have finally figured it out some of them still need a little coaching from uh, from Russell here so Yeah they
1: sure do so
0: Russell what's your favorite way to spend time in your garage with your vehicles is it wrenching on them detailing them restoring them driving them
1: You know I certainly enjoy the driving aspect and I think uh, after many years of trying to be uh, nationally competitive in Concour events and running autocrosses and those things that I really have come to the point where I prefer cars and coffee. It's a nice low-key event. Uh, We have a saying in the Porsche Club, it's not just about the cars, it's the people. And because my tastes are so eclectic, uh, going to cars and coffee and just informally walking around and talking to people, asking about their car – it's really neat to see the passion come through people's eyes when they describe their car. And, and when somebody like me who has a nice car uh, walks over and compliments them on theirs, they, uh, they're they really appreciative of that.
0: Is there a Cars and Coffee where you live that you'd want to throw a shout out to to support those folks?
1: Well, we uh, actually have uh, are in an interim stage right now. We had Cars and Coffee in Cary, North Carolina that we had a... An incident actually was the day I got married uh, in April.
0: Congratulations!
1: Uh, thank you. Uh, we were—I took my family while my bride was uh, getting her dress ready with all her uh, attendants. I took my sons and the groomsmen, the other groomsmen, over to Cars and Coffee. And apparently, uh, after we left, there were some people—tuner type guys, the drifter type guys—who wanted to rev their engines and do burnouts and things that the local merchants didn't. Didn't like so that right now we're looking for a new home for our cars and coffee. There's also one in Raleigh, North Carolina that's the third Saturday of every month at the Raleigh Grand Movie Theater that uh, now will be the place where we go.
0: And I have to ask, did you make it to the church on time?
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> of course. Of course you did. But what fun on the day of your wedding to run off to cars and coffee? <laughs> You are a true car guy. That's that's wonderful. There's a great event locally here in the Seattle area, Exotics at Redmond Town Center. Same thing. That is just so much fun to go up to. So much fun to talk to all the car owners and look at all the, the different kinds of cars. But I think you found, like I have, two car guys, two car women get together. They're instant friends.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, Russell, this is one of my favorite parts of our conversation. I call it the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions and you give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers. Okay. Are you ready? You bet. Okay, here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Wow. Uh, Best automotive advice. I think it was something from my dad who said, if you walk away from your parked car and fail to turn around to look at it, it's probably time for a new car.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. That's absolutely perfect. Yep. That's uh, something that all of us car people do when we love our ride. Look back, make sure she's okay, and kind of whisper, I'll be back in a few minutes. You bet. Can you share one of your personal habits with our listeners That you believe contributes to your success?
1: Well, I think it's, uh, there's so many, um, but I really think the thing is, is to, when you're in a conversation with other people, that they should leave impressed with what they know, not with what I know.
0: Wonderful. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners, maybe a website, suppliers, restoration shops, or even people?
1: Well, I I think uh, the business that I started, Road Scholars Automotive Group, that now I've I've gone back to my uh, mentoring, training, and consulting business. But uh, I would recommend that anybody that's interested in the the absolute best in the country look at www.road-scholars.com for the best in the industry.
0: I spend far too much time enjoying their website and dreaming about having having some of those cars. That's a great reference. Russell, is there a book that you've recently read that you'd like to share with our folks?
1: It's actually an automotive book. I would suggest all Corvettes are read. don't know if you've seen that. It's a story uh, that's a, a writer for a Detroit newspaper asked to be involved at the beginning of a Uh, the development of a car and actually happened to be involved with the Corvette and it really is a journey through from concept to production of the vehicle. Uh, It was a part of the business that I really didn't know and it was fascinating to me.
0: We'll make sure that we post that up on our show notes page so people can reference where to find that book. I've not read that book either so I'll have to get a hold of it and, and enjoy that. Thanks for sharing that.
1: And since you like quotes I'll tell you the title comes from a a meeting that the reporter happened to be attending when they were picking the color palette for Corvettes. And the person heading the meeting said, all Corvettes are red, all the rest are mistakes.
0: (laughs) That's great. Kind of goes back to the beginning of Ford Motor Company, that you can have any color for it as long as it's black. That's super. We'll make sure that we post all of these links and all these references onto the CarsYad.com website. Listeners, you can just type in Russell Fleury, F-L-E-U-R-Y, into the search box and find Russell's show notes page, and you can get links to all of the references that he's talked about here. Okay, Russell, now we're at the checkered flag. This is the last question, and sometimes it can be a challenge, and to quote a great automotive mark, it's a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, something you couldn't sell to buy other cars with, what would it be, and Why?
1: Wow, that is a a tough question because of my eclectic taste. But I I think it comes down to one car, and that would be a 73 Porsche Carrera RS. Uh, It was really an icon. It's an icon today. But in its time, you know, the first real race car that the general public could buy, just incredible sound iconic styling uh and yes it's holding its value very well
0: oh that's for sure you know that is at the top of my list as well i would love dearly to have one of those vehicles i have a good friend that had one restored and he ended up on the lawn at pebble beach and and took the top prize in his category so those are very special cars and any of you out there have ever had a chance to drive one you'll understand why they are spectacular
1: and I remember buying one when we started uh, Road Scholars Automotive Group. Uh, we bought one for about $50,000, and I was scared to death that I'd never get my money back because I think at that time it was the most that anybody had paid
0: for. Oh, uh, We don't even want to go to where they're trading hands for now. It's just uh, reached unobtainium heights for many, many people. We can keep dreaming, can't we? Russell, you've taken us on a tremendous ride here and i've really enjoyed your stories i want to thank you for sharing all your passion and your love for vehicles and your life with us if you'd give us one parting piece of guidance before we drive off into the sunset and let listeners know what's the best way they can learn more about you and your business and then we'll say goodbye
1: well i'd have to go right back to that quote mark that my dad left me with find a job that you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life you know, my colleagues at the university used to make fun of me being a car salesman. And I said, I don't sell cars, I fulfill dreams. And the first dream I'm fulfilling is my own because I always wanted to be associated with Porsche. And uh, if people are interested in finding me, you can find me on LinkedIn under Russell Flurry. under LinkedIn. My profile and all my contacts are Wonderful.
0: There. And again, Flurry is F-L-E-U-R-Y. Listeners, you can find all the links to everything we've talked about here today with Russell at CarsYad.com. And if you just go to the search bar and type in his name, his show notes will pop right up. Thank you, Russell, for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and sharing your story with our listeners. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at CarsYad.